The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. If you're ever in the Chicagoland area, we'd love for you to stop by. Uh, you can stop by our service, which is, starts at 10.30 a.m. and gets you out promptly at noon, a one hour and a half. That's all it takes to get a life-transforming experience and make you want to come back again, again, and again. I also want to let you know that you can stop by our website at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. Go on the website. You can watch on-demand lessons of Reverend Wells and the choir, um, hearing them preach. If you go to the multimedia link, it's normally three different uh, videos, on-demand videos that you can watch of services at Christ Universal Temple. So we want to make sure that it's uh, beneficial to you all to give you all as much material, spiritual meat as possible to help you live the better life. Now, we're in the midst of a series based upon Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and I'm calling it Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, A New Thought Perspective, because what I'm trying to do is help bridge um, the book New Earth to what we understand in New Thought and help people realize, hopefully, that, in my opinion, this book is highly prophetic in the sense that it's very few books that really go in into the core of human consciousness or ego or personality like this book does. It really goes in and and strips it bare because it gives you the tools needed to one shift your perception and then the tools to help you, if you will apply them, function from your authentic spiritual nature instead of functioning from the ego needs. Now, not to say that that means that you'll never have, um, you know, ego moments, but it does mean that as you grow and evolve, you'll have less of them and you won't be driven by them. I mean, you'll still obviously be a person in a body with with a personality and et cetera, et cetera. But what, what that means to you and how it's um, 
how you're being directed and what your intentions will be will come from your spiritual nature instead of the needs based upon fear, competition, um, sense of lack or, you know, many of the other things we've discussed in this book. So I'm on chapter five right now, and this is the chapter on the pain body, which is a very one. It's a very long chapter. So yet again, I'm not teaching the whole chapter. I'm doing an overview. And I have some other material that I will be also sharing to help people realize, um, hopefully, how the language that he uses can work with some of the language in New Thought. And hopefully from that point of view, you can go back, look at some of your own materials and see how the giants of New Thought actually taught about how to deal with this very same thing. Um, You know, the the the. The basic premise in New Thought is getting people's understanding about God together. And before I get into this book on Chapter 5, I do want to um, address um, our concepts about God for a moment, because I think this is really important. If we don't get this, it's kind of tough to get his overall view, which is. We live in a whole universe, and that's key. We live in a whole universe. God is whole, and we live in a whole universe. This is from Dynamics for Living by Charles Fillmore. He states on page 29, the starting point in spiritual realization is a right understanding of God. By describing God with words in our human way, we are but stating in lisping syllables of the child that which in its maturity, the mind still only faintly grasps. Words never express that which God is. Language is the limitation of mind. Do not expect the unlimited to leap forth into full expression through the limited. We must drop the complex and find simplicity before we can know God. We must become as a little child or as a child, as Jesus would say. So then in the book, he goes on and I'm not going to teach all of these things. And he starts to teach some metaphysical principles so we can get out of this concept of God as a super ego or super personality up there somewhere and start to understand um, life from the standpoint of of, as he says, being God is being, God is principle, God is law, God is reality, God is spirit, God is spiritual science, God is mind, God is truth, God is omnipresence, omnipotence, omniscience, substance, ideas, and love. And he goes, and he drills down on it because I think what it does is it helps shift the perception. Because once you shift your perception about God and the universe, then you can start working on shifting your perception about yourself. And then, which is the next chapter, and then it goes on and on. And one, um, and I'm gonna read something else from this book later, but he says on page 43, man, meaning humankind, is an idea in divine mind. He is the epitome of being. Man is the apex of God's creation, created in his image, likeness. Ideal man is the perfect man, the Christ, the offspring of divine mind and he goes on and on and explains what that means so 
what New Thought does is it tries to shift people to understanding the truth about God and the truth about themselves. And then from there, understanding how your consciousness creates your experience, teaches you tools, the affirmations, the denials, the prayer, the meditation, the sitting in the silence, which is, you know, the receptive part of meditation, you know, how to work with spiritual laws to help people get an understanding of how do they function from their spirituality and not from the human consciousness. So now that I've said that Eckhart, now I can address what Eckhart Tolle wrote on page 129. This is actually one of my favorite quotes. I use this all the time at the beginning of chapter five. He says, or he wrote rather the greater part of most people's thinking is involuntary, automatic and repetitive. It is no more than a kind of mental static and fulfills no real purpose. Strictly speaking, you don't think. Thinking happens to you. The statement, I think, implies volition. It implies that you have a say in the matter, that there is a choice involved on your part. For most people, this is not yet the case. I think is just a false a statement as I digest or I circulate my blood. Digestion happens. Circulation happens. Thinking happens. The voice in the head has a life of its own. Most people are at the mercy of that voice. They are possessed by thought, by the mind. And since the mind is conditioned by the past, you are then forced to reenact the past again and again. The Eastern term for this is karma. When you are identified with that voice, you don't know this, of course. If you knew it, you will no longer be possessed because you are only truly possessed when you mistake the possessing entity for who you are. That is to say, when you become it. So let's backtrack here for a moment. Most people, he is saying most, he said the greater part of most people. So it, most of the time, we're not necessarily thinking original thoughts based upon creative ideas. We're actually thinking recycled thoughts. We're not actually doing original thinking. And it's really important to recognize that. That we are legitimately and literally only doing um, or thinking, excuse me, from we're only literally not thinking, but we're actually processing and working with old thoughts old feelings, old beliefs, because we're thinking in a context, in a paradigm that that literally shades how we see life, God, humanity, the universe and ourselves. It's involuntary because it's, because it's happening so quick and it's based upon old beliefs It's based upon our past It's based upon the 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 consciousness that we inherited just incarnating into the race that it was a dominant state of mind of what it means to be a human being when you show up here nobody's teaching you about spirituality nobody's uh validating you nobody is promoting you nobody is telling you that you're whole the the system is set up to tell you meaning how human consciousness works in the context of duality tell you that something is wrong with you and, and there's something that you need to, to, to make life work. And this is something, if you don't get, um, you'll chase life trying to make life work when you don't have to do that. Um, 
Neil Donald Walsh says it really well in the book called Communion with God. He's talking about survival and this mindset of duality. He says, you may imagine that you need something in order to survive happily, that you can that you can only be happy only under certain conditions. This is not true, but you have believed it to be true. And because belief produces experience, you have experienced life in this way and have thus imagined a God you who must experience life in this way as well. That this is no more true for God than it is for you. The only difference is God knows this. When you know this, you will be as God. You will have mastered life and your whole reality will change. Now, here is a great secret. Happiness is not created as a result of certain conditions. Certain conditions are created as a result of happiness. Then he repeats the statement over and over again. Then he states love is not created as a result of certain conditions. Certain conditions are created as a result of love. And he goes on and on. Abundance is not created as a result of certain conditions. Certain conditions are created as a result of abundance. So then let's skip a few paragraphs on page 30. He says that you uh, that nothing makes God unhappy. And under the verse, this concept of need. You cannot believe this because it will require you to believe in a God without need or judgment. And you cannot imagine such a God. The reason that you cannot imagine such a God is that you cannot imagine such a human. You do not believe that you can live that way. And you cannot imagine a God who is greater than you. This is why, again, talking about involuntary thoughts. So even our thoughts about God are just stuck on automatic. This is why religion many times doesn't evolve. And he talks about later in the book about cultures, religions and whatever. There's some and areas that get stuck in a certain way of belief and they don't evolve past those beliefs. Now, um, let's move on in the book. And he starts to talk about uh, on page 30, the degree of identification with the mind differs from person to person. Some people enjoy pre- periods of freedom from it, however brief. And the peace, joy, and aliveness they experience in those moments make life worth living. These are the moments when creativity, love, and compassion arise. Others are constantly trapped in the egoic state. They are alienated from themselves as well as from others and the world around them. So in other words, when we're having moments of love and compassion and peace and creativity and, and art, you know, many times music and things of that nature, it gets people in the moment. It gets people in the now. So they feel more authentic. When you start playing in your head and you don't have any control over it, you can get lost in your own thoughts. In other words, your thoughts take you where you don't want to go. Your emotions take you don't want where you don't want to go. Your beliefs take you where you don't want to go. And here's the problem. You don't even know that you don't want to go there. You just know it doesn't feel right. You're in a funk. You feel frustrated. You're depressed. You're upset. You're fearful. You're angry and don't even know why. Just free floating seems like it just lands on you because it's in your consciousness unaddressed. And when the mind gets caught up in the day to day rigmarole, you end up having a situation or experience where you're not taking time through the spiritual study, through the spiritual practice, through the prayer, through the meditation, through affirmation, denials, visualization, visioning, um, whatever, Tai Chi, Qi Gong. 
whatever yoga, whatever your practice is to help you pull yourself back to an integrated whole. What ends up happening is the, the, the human consciousness, the ego, the feel more called sense consciousness can get so far out that you don't even feel that you know yourself. Emotional crying, upset, frustrated, whatever, don't know why. It's just everything triggers you because it's a disconnect. But if you're a spirit, if you're spirit, soul, body, a threefold being, then spirit, soul, body is supposed to work in harmony with each other. The body's not supposed to be fighting against the mind. The body's not supposed to be fighting against your spiritual nature. Your mind is not supposed to be fighting against your spiritual nature. But if we're in conflict with ourselves, we're going to have conflict in the world. There is no war that starts out there until there's a war that's been fought on the inside. In other words, when you're warring with your own thoughts, beliefs and whatever and having to um, and, and, and your own mind and ego is dominating your being, dominating your sense of self, dominating your compassion, dominating your integrity, dominating your sense of do right, golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, et cetera, et cetera. While all that is actually happening, you're actually at war with yourself. And then you wonder why stuff don't act right. Be mindful of that. Be very mindful of. You have the opportunity right now to say, I will become conscious and take my life back from my erroneous thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. I don't have to be ego-driven. I can be spirit-driven. I don't have to be ego-driven. I don't have to have an ego-driven life. I can have a spirit-centered life. What is, do you know right now, what does it feel like, literally feel like, to be centered? To really be at peace, irrespective of what other people do. It doesn't matter what a person says or does or what they don't say and don't do. What does it mean to you? Do you know what it feels like to be spiritually centered and what that means? And what that means? Something to think about. So I do want to remind you that you can call into the show. Um, if you want to ask me questions, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I would love to hear from you. Give me a call. The show's not that long, so I don't have a lot of opportunities. I, and I know you all are out there because you all <laughs> write me emails to my Facebook page, which is Truth Transforms. Uh, uh, with Reverend Galen McDowell. Uh, so if you are on Facebook or considering being on Facebook, like the page, you know, share, you can inbox me, whatever we need to do. So we're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. 
What if you could improve your health one decision at a time? Take that first step and join us each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central and learn from experts in integrative medicine. Awaken to Your Best Health is committed to supporting your personal health through cutting-edge research, education, and practical tips that you can put into place immediately. Make that decision for yourself by saying yes to health. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. Again, we're working with the book, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. You can give me a call at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I also want to let you know that the Universal Foundation for Better Living's Panorama of Truth is in Chicago, Illinois, from from July 23rd through the 27th. Or you can go to www.ufbl.org for more information. If you're living in the Chicagoland area, um, you can see about some conference packages for the people who, who live locally. You can give the Christ Universal Temple a call. Call the Johnny Coleman Institute in Christ Universal Temple. The direct line to the Johnny Coleman Institute is 773-568-1770. Again, 773-568-1770. I will be presenting at the Panorama of Truth along with a lot of major powerful speakers. Um, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be really, really good. And it's the 40th anniversary of the Universal Foundation for Better Living, which was founded by the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. We'll be celebrating her. Obviously, we'll be celebrating our past uh, recently deceased president, the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin, as well. Um, so check it out. Make sure you go online and see what you need to see to make it work. All right. Now, uh, back to the book. He goes into a large explanation of the birth of emotion, which I think is pretty good, but I'm not actually going to get um, into all the detail of that because I really want to just drive home one point, which is on page 133 and 134. He states, indirectly, an emotion can also be a response to an actual situation or event, but it will be a response to the event seen through the filter of a mental interpretation. 
the filter of thought, that is to say, through the mental concepts of good and bad, like and dislike, me and mine. For example, it is likely, likely you won't feel any emotion when you are told that someone's car has been stolen. But when it is your car, you will probably feel upset. It is amazing how much emotion a little mental concept like my can generate. So what he's basically saying is our emotion is, is, is many times or our emotional responses are filtered through our interpretations, our stories, our meanings. So hearing somebody's car got stolen might make you say, oh, man, that's a tragedy. That's pretty bad. Your car getting stolen. Oh, my God. You know, somebody's, you know, spouse cheating on them might get one response out of you if you don't know them. But if it happens to you or your loved one or sister or brother or parent or child, now that will elicit another type of response. Somebody's bank account being, um, um, you know, somebody stealing somebody's identity or bank account might get one type of response. If you're seeing this happen to some woman on the news, it's another thing for your bank account to be um, hacked or your identity to be stolen. That will elicit another response. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't, but just realize that emotion is not just based upon what's done. It's based upon the concept of my and if if it's not my, it's something that I, meaning as an ego, not a spirit, am attached to in a way that elicits a certain response. You know, um, you know, you know, you see that on the news when you, you know, with many of the things that are going on, like in the Chicagoland area and many other urban areas where, um, you know, young kids are, um, uh, are being, you know, many times hurt, shot, killed. Through gang violence, they don't, they're not even a part of it, but they just, you know, living in um, areas that are um, being riddled with violence. And it's one thing when it's their kids. It's another thing when it's your kid or your neighbor or the kid in your school or your church or it, it brings it home. See, but the thing about it is um, that word my gives it ownership. See, but when you start to think from a universal point of view, it's all my because it's all God's. And if it's all God's and I'm one with God, then that means that I'm looking at life from a universal consciousness, not from just a basic standpoint of um, what's the word I want to use? Just from the basic standpoint of me being a separate individual that's not connected to anything else. Anyway, moving on. So he goes on to say on that book, in the book, although the body is very intelligent, it cannot tell the difference between an actual situation and a thought. It reacts to every thought as if it were a reality. It doesn't know. It is just a thought. To the body, a worry, some fearful thought means I am in danger and responds accordingly, even though you may be lying in a warm and comfortable bed at night. The heart beats faster. The muscles contract. Breathing becomes rapid. There is a buildup of energy. But since the danger is only a mental fiction, the energy has no outlet. Part of it, part of it is fed back to the mind and generates even more anxious thought. The rest of the energy turns toxic and interferes with the harmonious functioning of the body. Um, So what this is basically saying is. The subconscious mind, the feeling nature, those, you know, deep seated beliefs, emotions, et cetera, 
it, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between a past, present, and future event. So if you think of something in the past and you're still connected to it in a way through your meaning, through your story, um, you can experience it as if it is happening right now. Something happened 20 years ago and if you, and you haven't, you know, you know, really gotten, um, what's the word I want to use? Complete with forgiveness, you know, uh, reconciled it in your mind far as going forward in love, harmony. In other words, I got the lesson and the blessing and I'm moving forward. Um, you can still be in pain from something that happened in the past. You can still be just by remembering it or seeing a person or seeing a picture or whatever. You can project in the future and create pain about something that hasn't happened yet. Dealing with a person, dealing with an experience, dealing with a situation, but it has never happened. So it's self-generated fear, frustration, anger, doubt, etc. Because the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference. But the problem is the subconscious takes care and runs the body primarily. In other words, you're not automatically thinking about heartbeat, lungs, blood flow, nervous system, uh, muscle and skeletal systems. So when you start to have these type of thoughts uh, and the body starts to go into its fight and flight modes and all different types of things like that, you can have um, physical responses to a mental stimuli, but the energy goes nowhere. It just sits on you. And then, it, as he states, recycles itself back to create more of the same. You know, Reverend Ike used to say feeling gets the blessing. In other words, what you feel, what you have deep, strong emotion about is what you're telling the universe you want more of. And um, I can't remember the name of the woman, but uh, it was a woman years ago, about 25 years ago, wrote a book called Your Body Believes Every Word You Say. So as you start to think and speak these words and think these images and just having your imagination, you know, run through something, you know, you can get your adrenaline, uh, adrenaline um, dumping all in your body from your adrenal glands. And the heart will start racing, the breathing will get heavier and you're just sitting in your seat, but you plan something out in your mind. So so the problem is when we're doing that day after day after day after day after day, thinking any kind of thoughts feeling any kind of way, allowing our emotions to, to swing from one end to another. We're actually doing damage to our bodies at a cellular level. You know, we are in a, again, as I said, battling ourselves because we're doing things to damage ourselves. People already know stress damages the body. Anxiety damages the body. Fear damages the body. They know that already. That's well documented. There's psychologists and medical doctors that can show you without a doubt how they, they turn into these type of maladies over time. And it doesn't make a difference how many pills you take. They can deal with the effect, but never with the cause. And if the cause isn't dealt with, you'll just have something else that'll make you sick. It literally will play on your body. Literally. It's something, you know, to think about. You know, so we have to really step out of this hypnotized way of thinking. The spiritual amnesia that that makes us think that we're not a whole spiritual being expressing through a body. 
You know, Joe Goldsmith states it this way in The Master Speaks. On page 43, he says, Can a person who is hypnotized into believing that there is a white poodle on a hypnosis platform ever produce a white poodle there? No. All the hypnotized thinking in the world will not produce a white poodle. It would only produce an appearance or a belief which the victim claims is a white poodle. Wrong thinking will never produce sin, disease, or death. We are not, and I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole nother conversation. But what he's trying to get to the point of it is this. That in God, there is no error. And when the, we, and no matter how we look at the appearances of life, in truth, there is no error. So he states on, on page 44, there's no way to remove the white poodle except to awaken the subject out of his state of hypnosis. How do we do that? One with God is a majority. If there is one person of spiritual vision in the audience who can laugh out loud and say or even think that there is not a white poodle to get rid of, the hypnotized man would awaken out of the dream. It is only because everyone is in agreement with him, the blind leading the blind, that this happens. So in other words, we believe that the appearances are true. We believe that the appearances have power. We believe that they can't be changed. We believe that we're stuck in the positions that we're stuck in. We believe that our past dictates our present and our future. And because the blind leads the blind and folks believe and go along and co-sign it, we accept it to be universal truth when it's just the demonstrated beliefs of humanity. Just the demonstrated beliefs. The white poodle still isn't there. But look at all the things that are going on in the world. The truth is, God is all. But to condition the mind to come back to oneness and not duality requires effort. Because every time you see it, you got to remind yourself like Jesus, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. Judge not according to appearances. Okay, I see it there, but I'm going to see through it. I'm not going to judge that based upon what the world of effects is telling me. I'm going to judge this based upon what is the truth about God. Emmett Fox called that the golden rule. In any situation and circumstance that you find yourself in, whether it's prosperity, whether it's your body, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your job, whether it's your business, whether it's your success, whether it's your family. When you can't think about anything else, ask yourself the basic question. What is true about God? Just what is true about God? You, if you want to drill down on that, you can get the golden rule. I'm sure you can find it somewhere online or order it. The golden rule. Get back to God is love. I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm whatever. God is love. You know, you know, I don't have two nickels to rub together. I have no money. I have nobody will help me. God is supply. God is substance. God is yet again, God is love. I don't know what to do or how to do it. I don't know how to make the right choices and decisions. God is wisdom. God is wisdom. Not some of the time. All of the time. God is wisdom. 
I don't know what to do and how to do it. Um, you know, I, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, wrong gender, wrong, uh, age, not enough education, too much education. God is power, the ability to do, the ability to perform, the ability to accomplish. It's drilling back, getting back to the truth. Just like he's, Goldsmith says, there's no white poodle there. I don't care how long I look at the railroad tracks. They never come together. They only appear as I keep looking at the appearance that if I look far enough down railroad tracks, it seems as though they, they intertwine, but they never do. They never connect. That's, a, that's an appearance. And whatever my life might be going through, I'm, I might be experiencing, excuse me, whatever I might be experiencing, the truth is I'm a perfect child of God or the divine expression of God, or the image likeness of God, or whatever term you like to use. The truth is, I've never been sick. The truth is, I've never been broke. The truth is, I've never been unhappy. The truth is, I've never been in need. The truth is, I'm always whole. The truth is, the Christ of me can say, I am whole, even Though the body is expressing something currently that's different. But if I could see enough of the Christ in me, the Christ can shine through my body, shine through my family, shine through my job, shine through my bank account, shine through my marriage, shine through, shine through, shine through. As Reverend Coleman used to teach us, all healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. All healing begins in the mind of the practitioner. So when you want to see healing, the healing has to happen first in your mind. The mind has to be healed before you see healing in demonstration. You cannot expect to change the outer things without healing the mind. The mind is the only thing to be healed. This is why there's a statement that, that stated, we used to say around here all the time when I first came to CUT. There's nothing to be healed, only God to be revealed. In other words, God is not removing illness. The the, the fullness of God, consciousness, reveals the illness to be a non-power, and it dissipates into his native nothingness. Now, that takes a consciousness to do that. So, we're coming up on our last break. And again, if you want to call me, you can. You can call me at 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. Give me a call. I would like to hear from you. Also, um, you know, I, you know, I do want to um, let some of you all know who might be in the Chicagoland area. We will have um, a guest speaker on Father's Day at Christ Universal Temple, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. He's coming in to talk about the seven laws of wealth. On Father's Day, he wrote a, a book, I believe, last year called The Wealth Choice. He was also uh, um, known for writing the book Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, What Makes the Great Great, and several other wonderful products. So make sure you come out and, and check them out. We're going to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths 
Live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts, and my mind continually receives messages from my body, especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. The Great Forgetting. That's what some call this time in which we are living. It is a time when we have become so youth-obsessed and age-averse that the wisdom and experience of our elders is being marginalized and in too many cases lost. Each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Time, George and Sedina Campanelli, co-founders of Age Nation and co-authors of the award-winning Do Not Go Quietly, Talk with some of the leading wisdom keepers of our time about how we can use this precious gift called our lives to create a more sane, sustainable, conscious, and loving world. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central on Do Not Go Quietly, Conversations with the Wisdom Keepers, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. And hopefully this show has given you some things to think about. I want to um give you another quote from another book. And again, like I said before, I am, I'm not teaching the whole chapter because again, the chapter is very, very large, long and in and of itself, it has a lot of things that you just need to work with yourself to see how it plays out in your own life. You look at it, evaluate it, you read it, you pray about it, you meditate on it and you go from there. What I want to read is from a book called the mind of the soul by Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis. And he talks about how he's not calling it ego per se, but it's the same thing, how we get caught up in these collectives of our emotions and our perceptions and how we play ourselves based upon our concept of ourselves. He says, page 25 in my book, imagine that neighbors of every color are attending a large black party and forming naturally into groups. Which group would you join? The yellow, black, brown, red or white group? 
Most individuals feel more comfortable with people like themselves unless they're trying to disown who they are. In that case, they are attracted to people who are the opposite of themselves or at least different. In general, though, people identify more easily with those who dress, speak and act the way they do because there is a greater feeling of safety in familiar surroundings. In other words, individuals who share similar experiences form collectives, each of which is a refuge for those within it, such as the, an, the island of white students and a cafeteria of black students and the island of black students and a cafeteria of white students. Hispanic gangs, black gangs, and and white, all-male, no Jewish country clubs are an example. So our social clubs, professional clubs, cultures, religions, nations, and every us and them division. The collectives pervade the human experience. Within each are more collectives, and within those are yet more. Then he gives an example of find your collectives. And this is still dealing from this concept of ego because – when we start to identify with things, we don't allow ourselves to be authentic spiritual beings in a moment. And we make race, gender, religion, nationality, uh, social class, um, uh, education, et cetera, be that which uh, defines us. Now, let me be clear. Your level of consciousness will gravitate towards wherever that level of consciousness, you know, determines yourself to be, itself to be. In other words, if you are of a certain level of consciousness, you will automatically gravitate away from certain types and gravitate towards others. The thing about it is not to get caught up in the identity or the label. He So he says, um, find a list of collectives you belong to. He says, mother, student, male, female, Christian, American, wife, son, Asian, grandparent, white, divorced, Buddhist, business person, black, father, yellow, European, daughter, human. And he then he goes on to explain over and over again how. People have all of these different collectors. So he says, in other words, on page 27, the more differences they are between collectors, the more fear exists between them. The glue that holds collectors together is not language, skin color, beliefs or common experience. It is fear. Within a collective is comfort and safety, while outside the collective is danger. So he goes on to say on page 28, this is why collectives cannot unify humanity, but can only divide it further. The more frightened an, indiv an individual is, the more he will identify with his collective and the more violently he will defend it. This is the pain body that Eckhart Tolle talks about. This is so, you know. These are the things we need to be mindful of. He says on page 135, uh, excuse me, bottom of page thir uh, 134. The ego is not only the unobserved mind, the voice in the head, which pretends to be you, but also the unobserved emotions that are the body's reaction to what the voice in the head is saying. We have already seen what kind of thinking the egoic voice engages in most of the time and the dysfunction inherent in the structure of its thought processes, regardless of content. This dysfunctional thinking is what the body reacts to with negative emotion. The voice in the head tells a story that the body believes and reacts to. These reactions are the emotions. The emotions, in turn, feed energy back to the thoughts that created the emotion in the first place, this is the vicious circle between unexamined thoughts and emotions 
giving rise to emotional thinking and emotional story making. Now, here's the key. The vicious circle of unexamined thoughts and emotions. The vicious circle of unexamined thoughts and emotions. The vicious circle of unexamined thoughts and emotions. This means being unconscious. Being unconscious. Not being mindful of why do I believe that? Why do I accept that? Is this really true? Why is it true? Am I accepting this because this is what has been told to me by my peers, by my society, by my culture, by my race, by my gender, by my social class? Because many of the things we believe are just passed down. I tell people all the time, you know, in my class, I say, you know, if you were born in Afghanistan, it's probably a good 99% chance you would be a Muslim. And I said, late, and, and many of you ladies would not have the opportunity to wear what you want to wear and, and et cetera because of the culture that exists in, in that Islamic theocracy. Not going in on Islam. I'm talking about how it's interpreted and, and demonstrated there. That So, you know, so way we dress in our, and this, this, this podcast could go anywhere. Where you dress in your in your country or state or city uh, or your you know gender race whatever age is dependent on the social norms and then when you have people and sometimes people are dressing outside the social norm not because they're free but because they're actually rejecting the social norm not out of authenticity but just because they're rege- they're being counterculture which is um, something to um, think about in and of itself. Um, we, um, I don't want to say this. We don't really realize how delusional we are. And I mean that from the standpoint of if we really, as a human race, got that we are spiritual beings living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law, life would change on this planet as we know it. Literally, we have no clue how delusional we are. We really are in a state of spiritual amnesia from the standpoint of we don't know that we are the self-expression of infinite love, peace and joy. I know that. It requires, you know, time um, it requires time to do this. You know, I understand how the great leaders of spiritual movements that woke up, the Jesuses, the Buddhas, etc., had to take time away to just to, you know, and I'm not recommending that you do that. I'm not recommending that you do anything other than know yourself and however that process works, you do that. But how at times they took time away just to work on themselves. You got to work on yourself. This stuff doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen accidentally. It's conscious, 
intentional work. You have to work on you. You know, I, I, I love the story in um, about the carrying in the past on page 139 where he talks about the monk, two monks that had got to a place where the mud was so deep that a woman, the one of the monks picked up a woman and carried her across so she wouldn't ruin her silk kimono. And then five hours later, uh, one of the monks, you know, said, uh, we are monks. We monks are not supposed to do things like that. And the other monk said, I put the girl down hours ago. Are you still carrying her? Our minds get stuck on our right and wrongs without realizing that if, if I did make a mistake, get the lesson, get the blessing and move on. Don't get stuck in your wrongs or your rights. Get stuck in your this is how God is expressing and showing up as me right now. Jesus totally got it right when he said, not my will. Thy will be done. That is one of the most powerful prayers anyone could ever pray. Not my will. Not my will. Thy will be done. Not my human ego centric will, but the will of the of the divine God in me through me as me. Have you ever asked just the wisdom of God within you. What's my next step? What should I be doing in this? Just get up one day. Okay, God, what should I wear today? What should I do? And I'm not saying show up in 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 in, in um, shorts at work. What I mean by that is you might show up in that particular pinstripe suit is what the boss says. Oh, I, you know, I used to wear pinstripe suits like that when and when I was you know whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, and that starts the conversation. The next thing you know, you're on a fast track to promotion. Things like that happen. You'd be surprised. Or, okay, God, you know, which way should I take the work today? The next thing you know, you you're dodging the traffic jam, or you or you stop into a place to get something that you didn't, but you're following spirit, and you walk in, and at that place, at that moment, you meet somebody in the line, and that person ends up being your spouse a year or two later. That's, life works like that, but you got to be open and receptive. Not my will, thy will be done. We're running out of time now, so I can't go go any further. Next week, we'll do chapter six. And I know I left a lot of stuff on the table, but again, that's for you to read. I'm only doing a quick overview and hopefully helping you bridge the language between new thought and the book of New Earth, because I believe it's metaphysically sound. And I told someone recently that I think this course should be taught in college as a required course, like like math and English, <laughs> because if younger people could get a hold of their egos at 18, instead of having to try to wrestle with it at 55, we can transform this world much quicker. God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. 
You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the Mind Body Spirit 
www.fmpodcastnetwork.fm